0: Uh, Hi everyone. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm one of the pastors here. No, I'm kidding. I'm not a pastor here. I'm actually, I'm I'm a member uh, at Cornerstone and I've been attending since 2009 and I have the privilege and honor of giving the sermon here today uh, as a guest speaker. Um, So for my sake, I know we just prayed, but can we, will you join me in prayer one more time? Uh, Father, we uh, just come before you, Lord, uh, and we thank you for who you are. And, and, and I pray that I could just leave all the preparations that I did uh, at your feet and, and allow you to just take over. And, and will you be uh, the one guiding this time, Lord, speaking the truths into the hearts of this congregation. And being the spirit that moves and stirs when us, within us conviction, Lord, for you. Uh, so will you use me? Uh, could our hearts be tender, Lord, and open to hearing your word And we just want to thank you for who you are and all that you do. In your son's name we pray, amen. Uh, So last year is the first time I I gave a sermon at Cornerstone. And I was speaking to a friend of mine who goes to Redeemer Church. And he's a pastor there. Uh, And if you don't know Redeemer Church, it's the church that Tim Keller uh, is the head pastor of. And he was preparing a, a set of sermons for a retreat. And he was feeling a little worried about... About uh, you know preaching and and this is what he said paraphrased what Tim Keller said to him he said look you know don't worry too much about uh, this this sermon uh, do the best that you can your first one hundred sermons aren't going to be that great anyway so don't worry about it uh, so if you if you preach maybe twice a month it'll take you what like two four years to to hit that mark. I started last year and I average about one a year. So I may never hit that milestone, but that's okay because the, you know, the good thing about following Jesus is that he uses imperfect people to carry out his perfect will. Uh, So, and today's about not being anxious. So let's just dive right into the text. Um, It's going to come from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. Again, that's Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. And it says this. And if you're not familiar with that, therefore is basically, basically cluing us in that there are two thoughts that are being connected. And therefore is the hinge on which these two thoughts rest. And so before we move on, we want to take a step back and see the verse that precedes this. And verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, and the Greek word for money is mammon, and we know from last week's sermon that when Pastor Hojin was preaching that money isn't just limited to currency. The way that it's used here, it's really more of an all-encompassing word that uh, talks about things that we value, things that we treasure, things that we're devoted to. And and, and Jesus is basically saying that we can't be devoted to multiple things at once. You're either devoted to God and not devoted to your stuff, or you're devoted to your stuff and you're not devoted to God. Uh, Think about a ship with, with a rudder. You have one rudder that steers the ship. It wouldn't work if you have two. Or, or, or in a car when you have a steering wheel, if you have multiple steering wheels, it just wouldn't make sense. If one's trying to go left and one's trying to go right, it, that wouldn't work out. And, and this is basically the same principle. Ultimately, at the highest level, there's going to be one priority that takes the place of over everything else in your lives. And so is that God or is that something else? And, and this is important because the passage that we're going to look at today rests on answering these two questions. It's who do we believe God to be and do we trust him to be our master? All right. Who do we believe God to be and do we trust him to be our master? And so with that in mind, let's, let's move on. So it says, therefore, and the body more than clothing. Um, we, we all have different worries at this moment right? I'm sure if I took a poll of of everyone in this room, we're all going to have different things that we're concerned about at this time. And there may be some overlap, but generally there's going to be a lot of variety. But what's the ultimate thing that we really worry about? It's our lives, isn't it? It's life itself. It's our survival. Everything else compared to that doesn't really matter. If if we're not living, then all the worries right now, it's irrelevant, right? Uh, To put it another way, if I were to strip away everything that you all own and put you out on the streets, you're not going to be concerned with with what grad school you're going to get into, uh, starting a family, uh, advancing your career. You're going to be concerned with finding food and clothing. Those are going to be your most pressing needs. And Jesus is saying, even those don't be anxious about it. Everything from the most trivial of needs to the most important of needs and everything in between, we can have full freedom from anxiety of that. So the question is how? And, and Jesus, says, Jesus asks us, he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And this is uh, the first question in the outline that Jesus uses to help us get an idea of who God is. And and the question that we need to ask ourselves is, do we believe that God is real? Do we believe that God is real? (laughs) If God is not real, and if he's just a figment of our imagination, something that we just conjured up to explain the unexplainable, then life is not anything more than just food and clothing. That's all it really is. We live, we're born, we live our lives, we die, and that's it. Nothing else. It's, we're just another part in the circle of life, and that's that. Um, and so he continues, and he, he continues to bring us on this journey to get a better glimpse of what God is like. And, and he says this. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life, to the span of his life, It's kind of an unusual thing, right? Um, He's saying, look at the birds of the air. Take a step back from your tunnel vision, from your anxiety, and and look around you. And and look at the birds, right? They neither sow nor reap nor stow away into barns. I mean, in essence, they're kind of worthless. They're not all that great. They don't really do anything. Yet your heavenly father still feeds even them. Are you not of more value than they? What he's doing is he's comparing and contrasting the birds with us. Do we believe that God cares? That's the second question we need to ask. Do we believe that God values us more so than the birds? Do we believe it when the Bible says that we are made in the image of God? that we are fearfully and wonderfully made that we are sons and daughters of God you know i i'm not a, i'm not married and i'm not a parent yet but i could still know that as a parent you could love and care for people in your life but it will pale in comparison to the love of your for your child right and where do you think that came from do you believe that that's just From our own goodness? Or do you believe that that's because we bear that image of God and that's just a glimpse of God's character for us? We have utmost value. Do you believe that God cares? But it's not enough to know that God cares, right? (laughs) Because if we believe that he's just caring but not all powerful, it's not going to do too much for us. And so Jesus, knowing that, says, look, the birds that you see, your heavenly father feeds them. What he's doing is he's giving credit to God as the one that's feeding the birds, that's providing for this world. And then he compares and contrasts that to us. He says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? I mean, do you, do, do you really think that you have a lot of control. When I think about my life, um, when I was younger, I used to think that I had a lot of control. Uh, and over the years, as I got older and a little bit wiser, hopefully, uh, I started to realize that I, I don't have much control at all. Um, I mean, I didn't, I, don't, I didn't control where I was born, when I was born, who I was born to. And so right off the bat, it's like God saying that, James, you have absolutely no control, and I want you to know it from the start. Uh, and all throughout my life, even uh, big milestones of, like, getting into college. Yeah, I, I, I sent in the application. I, I took the SATs, and I studied and did the best I could. But ultimately, it rested on the hands of somebody else in the admissions department that I had no control over. And they could have accepted me or rejected me, and I really would have not much say in that. Uh, and then, even daily... Um, for those of you who know me, it's very evident that I have this condition called Tourette's. And I've had it ever since I was 10. And so even then, every day, God's telling me, James, you have no control over even your own body. Right? And we don't even have control over our heartbeat. But the good news is that God is in control. But do you believe that God is the one, control, the one in control? Right? That's, that's the more important question. Do you believe that? And that's the third point. Is God sovereign? Now, the next part, he goes into the the lilies of the field, and this part is more of a parallel to the, to the birds. And, and so I don't want to spend too much time in it. Basically, he's uh, comparing the grass, the value of the grass to the value of us. And he's saying that, uh, you know, even the grass that's being thrown in the oven, because they used it for fuel back in the day, he clothes that. And, and he's also saying the same point. God is the one that's clothing the grass. God is the one that's providing for the grass And so there's not too much to talk about there. But there is one thing that I want to highlight. uh, And it's where Jesus says this. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon was a king in the Old Testament. And he was a king that had a lot of wealth. He had pretty much everything that you could desire. And and, and Jesus is saying, even Solomon, with all that he had, was not arrayed like a simple flower that I've created. Uh, And I think Jesus does something interesting here. Um, For those of us that... that. Chase after material possessions because we feel as though having more of that will increase our value. Right? Jesus is saying, you don't need that. Having more of that is not going to make up for the value and beauty that you already possess, that I already gave you. So chase those things no more. You don't need to be stuck in that rat race. And for those of us who lack because we can't afford that and we feel as though we're inferior, he's saying, look, your value and beauty rests on the truth that you were made in the image of God, not on the things that you can't afford. So be discouraged no more. I mean, when we really think about it, when we take the best things that man could make, right, uh, whether it's clothing, jewelry, buildings, art, cars, whatever. The most beautiful of inventions and creations is really nothing when you look at the detail and beauty of a simple flower. And you are all more valuable and more beautifully created than a simple flower. Jesus is saying, you don't need to be chasing material possessions. Be devoted to me. I'm the one that could provide. Okay? Uh, And and the last question that Jesus asks us is, do we believe God to be real? Right? He says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I'm sorry, not that God is real, but does, does God know? That's the question. Does God know? Do you believe that God knows? Or do you believe that he's oblivious? Right? This is an important thing to answer as well because if if God knows, then we could be assured that all the hurt, all the pain, all the challenges, all the thoughts that we have, God is fully aware of that. God knows what you need before you even know that you need it, right? And this is not to say that God will give you everything that you want. What you need may not be what you want. It may not be when you want it. But do we believe God to be a God that knows our deepest needs and one that could provide and one that is sovereign enough to provide one that even exists so he could provide? Do we believe that? Um, <laughs> this is, uh, I guess, if, if, uh, if we've ever been in a relationship, we know that this is something that we kind of desire uh, because we want other people to know that we're hurting without us even saying what we're hurting about. Or if we're angry, we want people to know why we're angry without communicating why we're angry, right? And so... God is like the best boyfriend. Not really. No, he's much more than that. But God knows so much more than you think. And and that should lift the burden off our shoulders because even things that we don't communicate, he will be fully aware of. But the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that he knows? The the good thing about... uh, the Sermon on the Mount, is that it's pretty straightforward, and so there's not too many things to uh, explain, right? So we know that, that uh, we've gone through, is God real? We've gone through, oops, we've, we've gone through, uh, does he care? We've gone through, is he sovereign? And then we've gone through, does he know, right? To which Jesus ends by saying this, If you believe God to be all those things, then do you trust him to be your master? And if the answer is yes, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's saying, look, if you do believe that God is real, that he cares and he has the ability, and that he knows everything, and if you have placed your trust in him, then don't live your lives as if that weren't true, right? There should be a difference with how we live our lives to those that don't have that hope because they don't know a God that could provide, that cares, that has sent Jesus to save us from death, right? So seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, not our own, not what culture prioritizes, not what the things that we're devoted to prioritize, but, but we don't have to worry about ourselves because we have a champion that worries for us, that that cares for us, that has concern for us, and has far more ability to care for ourselves than we could ever do for ourselves. And he's saying, look, stay in the present, don't worry about the future. That you can't even control anyway. Right? You don't even know what's going to happen, but allow time and space right now for me to guide you. Um, so we have these two questions: Who do we believe God to be, and do we trust Him to be our master? But, I, but I believe that hearing uh, testimonies kind of amplifies. A, these convictions and kind of shows how this plays out in real life. And so I wanted to end with an application about my own personal experience earlier this year on how I've kind of navigated through challenges and adversities and uncertainties and doubt and fears by going through these questions and remembering who God is and who I believe God to be. Uh, And so, um, in May 4th of this year, I was going to the doctor's appointment, going to the doctors to, to check a small mass in my body, and I was told that I have cancer. Um, when I heard those words, I could literally feel my heart sink into the pit of my stomach, and all the words pres- er, coming after that would just go in one ear and out the other and everything was just drowned out by the flood of emotions and thoughts that were crashing into my head. And I was just asking, why me? Why me? How, how could this even happen? Is this even real? What's going to happen to the future that I thought I had? What about my parents? What about Kelsey? What... Am I going to even live? And these questions, I couldn't answer them. The answer was, I don't know. I don't know why that happened. Um, But despite that, I still went through intense moments of sadness, intense moments of loneliness. I, I probably cried every single day. During that time, but I started to feel this peace and this uh, that, that guarded my heart and my mind. And it was the peace that Paul talked about in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. A peace that transcends all understanding because my situation didn't change but somehow when I should be feeling anxious when I should not be at peace it, it doesn't make any logical or rational sense to not be anxious but somehow I wasn't and it's because I, I, I was reminded of who God was and, and who I believe God to be and so even though I didn't know why I had cancer and why I was going through a situation like this. Even though I couldn't explain what was going to happen afterwards, I knew something. I knew that God was real. I knew that he was real and so that means that even though I wouldn't make it in the coming months, even if I were to die, I know that there's so much more to life than just the 32 years that I've lived. I have a greater hope to look forward to in heaven with God. And so that kept me going. Okay, and then I, even though I didn't know why I had cancer, I didn't know something. I knew that God knows. I knew that God knows. And so even though I had these intense moments of sadness and loneliness, and even though there were times where I couldn't gather the words to even express myself, I knew that God knew exactly what I was feeling and exactly what I would need. And so that kept me going. And even though I didn't know why I was going through this, I did know that God cared. I knew he cared. And so I knew that it couldn't be that he abandoned me. I knew that it couldn't be that he didn't view me as valuable, that he didn't care that he was just sitting in his heavenly throne looking at me from a distance and not actively working in my life, that he wasn't hurting with me. And although I didn't know why, why this was happening, I knew that he was sovereign and that he was in full control. And so I did know that he didn't lose control and that I became a victim of it. No, he was in full control and that there was a greater purpose for this. And if it's in his will that he will heal me and that he can heal me. I knew all that. And as I remembered all that, that's what Paul's talking about. That's what Jesus is saying. Remember who God is. Who do we believe God to be? Don't be anxious in anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And thanksgiving forces us to remember what we're thankful for, doesn't it? And if we're forced to remember what we're thankful for, we're forced to remember how faithful God has been in our lives. And then all of a sudden, these questions get answered in a way where God is real. God does care. He is sovereign. He knows. He's not requiring blind faith. He's been proving himself over and over and over and over and over again in our lives, in other brothers' and sisters' lives, in the Bible. And he's saying, look, when you do that, There's a peace that transcends all understanding. Your situation won't have changed, might not have changed. And it might not make any sense to be able to go through this time or season in your life that has so much uncertainty. But acknowledge the gravity and weight of the challenge that you have. But remember that God is so much greater than that. And this peace will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so it just boxes everything in and and it starts to build this border and boundary around your heart. And so the seeds of doubt that's like all around it outside that's trying to get in can't be penetrated because these truths, you know that. You've experienced it. You've acknowledged it. And this is what allows us to live life free from anxiety. Literally, free from anxiety. It's not about not feeling worried. It's okay to feel worried. It's human to feel worried. But he's saying, after you've considered the facts, and you've thought about who God is, and you remember all that he's done, Yes, acknowledge how big the challenge is. It, is. it is way beyond our control and over our heads. That's fine. And yes, that might induce some anxiety in terms of what we feel. But don't act and live your life as if I'm God is not existent. As if he has not been faithful in our lives. As if he doesn't love us. As if he doesn't find us valuable, as if he's not in control. When we've considered the facts and we've answered these questions for ourselves, don't live life guided by anxiety. Live life guided by me, guided by God. And so seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Okay. And um, God was very merciful uh, on May of, May 17th of this year, I went into surgery and he healed me. Um, I'm cancer free and, and, and I praise God and it's only by his grace that I'm, that I'm standing here and, and I don't know what's going to happen and quite frankly, that is still scary, but I don't I don't have time or I, don't, I can't just live life in fear of that. And, and, and I share this not to, to make much of myself. I give all credit to God. I don't want to say that uh, I was absolutely strong and faithful and obedient and I didn't worry at all or freak out all throughout this time. No, but, but, but by the grace of God, I was able to remember who he was and who he is. And, and, and if you're encouraged by what I shared, but you feel like this couldn't happen for you, I just want to say that the same God that works in my life, that has worked in this testimony that I shared, is the same God that rose Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that works in your lives. The same God that calls you my son, my daughter, the same God that will finish the good work that He started. Let's pray, Father. Um, we just praise you so much, so much for who you are, and you just desire your for your children to be free, free from being enslaved to worry and anxiety, things of this world that so uh, captures our hearts and our attention when it should be you that's capturing our utmost devotion. Uh, So I pray that whatever conviction that we have in our hearts, can we not just be apathetic to that, But can we respond in obedience, in in chasing after you, in in relying on you, and resting in you, and laying all our burdens at your feet because your yoke is light and easy? Uh, And if there's any of us that still doubts, Lord, I pray that you will break through those walls. And, and that we could experience the fullness of Christ and all that he has to offer. For those of us that, don't, of us that don't know you, I pray that we can get to know you. <laughs> that we can taste the sweetness, Lord, of your love and your grace. Not just in the stories that we hear in the Bible, but in our everyday lives and things that are also practical. Practical. Could we see how you provide and how you're faithful, Lord? And so be with us as we go out and live out the rest of today and the rest of our lives. I pray that we can continue to remember and step back from time to time and acknowledge your goodness and remember your faithfulness and find our hope and trust in you. So we thank you, we love you, in your son's name we pray, amen.